So basically, um, Carto is a location intelligence platform. So um, if you think about um, how just all of us as consumers interact with the world, like we order our food online and it gets dispatched by an app. Uh, we book a hotel, we see it on the map, we choose it based on location. Um, like everything happens somewhere. And so uh, companies are actually taking opportunity and um, using this geospatial data um, to make better business decisions. And so what drew you to this? What was it about this organization and what you're trying to accomplish or sort of the challenge in front of you that drew you to this organization? Yeah, so um, I've met our CMO uh, before. So when I saw that there was like an opening for the Banjan director on her team, I was I reached out to her and I was like asking if I could be considered um, for this position. And she was very open to having a conversation with me and like putting me through the whole process. But um, when I started to dig in more into Carto, I really um, I really saw the value or what marketers would say the product market fit. Like I could very easily understand why this product that there is a need for this product. And uh, my, in my previous role, in my previous company, where I spent five years, um, we were kind of creating the market. Like there was no actual need for the product. Mm. And for me, that was like, a, I had like three Ps for myself, uh, for my next role. One was product, uh, one was people, and the other one was personal challenge. So Carto kind of this role at Carto covered the three of them. Um, all the people that I met in the process were very, very nice, accepting, open. Um, I really aligned with their values as well. Um, the product, like I said, I saw the product market fit. I saw how uh, this is making, you know, um, companies or businesses uh, better. And then personal challenge was, of course, going from a small, smaller startup to a scale up. Like we got a 60 million investment at the beginning of this year. Um, so yeah, I had like a much bigger marketing budget to play with, a bigger team. Actually, the whole marketing team was much better, more defined. So that th those were like the main things that drew me to Carton. Yeah. Mm. So I've got to ask from a marketing standpoint, Cardo has many different industries that it's relevant in. It also has many mm -hmm. use cases it's relevant mm -hmm. in. So it's vertical and horizontal with many options. Yeah. Yes. How do how does your team or or how do you sort of prioritize mm -hmm. your efforts, your budgets, you know, where are you putting your attention? Because there's so many opportunities for it and it's relevant to so many people in so many different ways. Um, so you have like this, like, it, it seemed to me from an outside, you have this overwhelming options available to you. So how do you prioritize? Yeah, that's actually a very good question. So uh, the majority of kind of the strategy and as, as a company as a whole uh, comes from our chief strategy officer, who is also a co-founder. So um, he founded Carto. His name is Javier de la Torre. And he was actually, uh, he founded Carto when he was working on his PhD on biodiversity. And he had to visualize a lot of spatial data related to plants, trees, animals, etc. And he found that there was there wasn't really a good way to visualize all this data, 
or at least not an easy way that he could do that. And this is when he got the idea to start Carto, basically. It was born out of the biodiversity and sustainability angle. But the reality, like you mentioned, is that now we do serve like a wide range of different verticals. We are specifically focused on uh, telecommunications, retail, uh, CPG, transport and logistics. And within those, we have also different use cases like site selection, supply, supply chain optimization, uh, out-of-home advertising, geomarketing. So we're not just focused on biodiversity and sustainability, although a lot of our customers do also use us for that. Um, so in terms of what, how do we focus, how do we choose, uh, it basically comes from a lot of testing, we have to say. Uh, that's all like super important. But then another thing is looking at the past uh, like pipeline deals, conversations that we were having with uh, our prospects in different industries for different use cases. So you can very clearly see a picture if you look uh, at data for, let's say, a year back, which deals closed faster, which, deal, which uh, deals we close more of, in which industry, for which use case. So this is kind of how we are prioritizing, but also uh, looking at um, the maturity of data analytics teams within those industries. Uh, as you can imagine, companies that traditionally use a lot of data already probably have this um, data teams much bigger, much more evolved, and maybe don't necessarily have a big need for our services or our platform. But re um, industries like retail and CPG that traditionally didn't really use uh, geospatial data, they find this uh, like our platform, very, very useful. Um, and also our professional services team that can help them basically build or visualize their data and not just using their own data, which is like important, but we also uh, integrate uh, our data catalog where they can use our partner data. Let's say you are a retailer, I don't know, Nike, and you want to you don't you don't you just don't want to see only your uh, sales data and your locations and like maybe typical demographic data that you can find online but you can also incorporate mastercard data and now you have another level of insights like where are your target customers spending more money less money what what is their earnings um do they spend a lot of money on sports and so on so there is like levels to um yeah geospatial data basically that was kind of my assumption is because as, as I was reading through the industries and the use cases, I'm like, man, there's so many possibilities, but I haven't, yeah. I, I had a hunch that it was more around sort of the maturity and the capabilities of the team. Right. Because yeah. um, my initial assumption was if they're sort of novices in this, this, they may not be ready to put this into practice. Um, but it sounds like what you're saying is there's sort of this sweet spot where if they're, they may already have solved this problem. And if that's the mm -hmm. case, they may be sort of past this, but they're, if they have capabilities, they're trying to kind of cobble some tools together to get some visualizations, get the data mm -hmm. right. Like this is probably like a, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a much easier way to display and yeah. visualize than we've ever had. And it's probably like a, they probably put it in practice. It's probably like this big aha moment because they've never been able to see those data sources displayed like that before. That's the, that's the experience I've had whenever a client mm -hmm. gets a visual of something that they've always seen in charts or always suspected but never had access to right 
Yeah, now you can build all those sorts of cool maps and uh, even build like revenue predictions for your new stores that you want to open. Um, you can uh, do better site selection decisions, which we all know can cost millions. And uh, like speaking to our prospects, a lot of times we hear like stuff like, uh, I just choose it based on my gut feeling, you know, because I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's always better to have the data to support your decisions, right? Yeah, we can still use intuition, but it's nice to have data supporting and supplementing yeah. that intuition. It's funny because this conversation is so relevant to me. Yesterday, I was in three conversations that uh, touched on this topic. I, there was one about a, a brand who basically drives around and one guy sort of picks out site locations without any service or data or anything. He's just trying to drive around and winging it. Another yeah. one was uh, more of a sort of a hospitality brand and they're trying to figure out what markets uh, more frequently come to their location. And they have a few data sources on that, but they are always mm -hmm. hungry for more. And then in marketing, everybody's trying to figure out where they should be targeting and, and those types of things. And the more data you can put on location specific, the better, mm -hmm. right? So like those, those are three use cases and that's just yesterday's conversation. Yeah, totally. What is the reception that you see when people are introduced to Cardo for the very first time? Like they've never heard of it. Um, or do you get certain feedback? Mm -hmm. Do you have certain sort of like uh, objections um, or questions or is there a certain excitement that you're hearing from them? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if they are data analyst persona or a data scientist, they usually have heard of geospatial data before and they kind of understand how it works. But maybe like a lot of them, if they come from a GIS background, uh, they are all, you know, trained to use our competitor tool ever since university. So um, we are kind of the underdogs there. Um, but yeah, when, when we speak with uh, kind of less evolved industries in that sense, like I mentioned, retail and CPG, they are always very... Um, receptive and surprised and like want to hear more or you get the other side like we don't need this I, I can make those decisions without the software so it's like a half half I would say yeah and, and what, when, what I, are when the... I talk about Carto with my friends and family they're just like what like you can do that <laughs> so yeah, it's very always funny cool? to explain to the family what, what you're doing and what your company is working on it's fascinating stuff. I mean, even just going yeah. to your website and you and you kind of flip through some of the case studies. Uh, one, mm -hmm. I like how you guys show the sort of visualizations uh, that each different client uses. And it just shows mm -hmm. like so many possibilities of how these things can be visualized. And it's interesting. I mean, you want to kind of zoom in and try to figure out like, what are they visualizing here? Like, that's a really <laughs> cool display on that. Yeah, no, it's true. Like um, you can see, like I said, si uh, different um site selections or revenue predictions or um we did one map of like predicting where um uh for example a food delivery brand should open dark kitchens which is like a very mm -hmm. hip topic right now mm -hmm. like where in the city is more demand to make deliveries quicker more efficient and so on so yeah like delivery routes for um supply chain and yeah a lot of really interesting use cases that's cool. So I'm guessing that you have a couple of different sort of buyer types whenever you're trying to communicate the value prop. And my, so tell me where I'm wrong on this, because this is my assumption. My assumption is you probably have like the users, the data scientist, and you're probably selling on, hey, 
this is easier, more effective. We can probably save you time. It's less frustrating. But then you probably have potentially the buyers who it's like, how does this help our business? What's, you know, what's the return on investment up here? Why is this better than what we've done before? Or yeah, we just kind of wing it. We don't need this kind of sophistication of, of these tools. We can just kind of make decisions without mm -hmm. it. Are those kind of like the two buyer types or is it, am I oversimplifying things? Um, I mean, you're kind of right, to be honest. Like uh, I would um, slice our ICP mm -hmm. into two, like one is like you mentioned more data science, data and analytics persona, who is a lot more interested in technical capabilities, the things that they can actually do with our platform, um, different functions that they can play around with. And of course, one of the most important things of our uh, platform is that we are cloud native. So a lot of enterprises, uh, our enterprise customers are moving to the cloud. And this is a part of like where where our industry is moving towards is all about data on the cloud and data warehouses because of how efficient it is um, when it comes to data analysis. Um, so many use cases that now create geospatial data um, actually like want to work with their data on the cloud rather than having to download something locally and then work on it and then upload it and share it. And it's just like you have one, one source of data, one truth, um, and everybody can collaborate. Uh, and on top of that, it's very, very safe. Um, that's why we're also investing a lot in developing our partnerships with the biggest data warehouses, like um, warehouses, sorry, um, Google BigQuery, Amazon Redshift, Databricks, Snowflakes, those are the top four. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then for the business buyers, like you mentioned, yeah, they are less maybe focused on the specific um, features or the capabilities in terms of um, data analytics, um, spatial SQL, and different functions. But for them, we do have um, a retail app where they can easily visualize maps without having to know any coding or um, spatial SQL or anything like this. It's very intuitive and very easy to use. Yeah. That's cool. From a marketing standpoint, are there challenges that you've sort of overcome over the, you know, in the past that you're just, you're proud to be past that? Like, hey, we tackled that. We got past that. We like the results that came from that. Is there anything that comes to mind? Mm, I think that... What we've done really well this year is doing a lot of testing in terms of events. Uh, In-person events are back. It was a big uh, risk for sure because we weren't sure how it's going to be the attendance. Are people comfortable with coming back in person or not? Um, so we have invested significant amount of our marketing budget into doing events globally, uh, including uh, our partner cloud events, and also industry specific events and then um, kind of buyer persona specific. And after the first half of the year and doing over, I think it was over 50 events that we did in the first half of the year, which I have to give big kudos to my uh, marketing and sales team because they were just incredible um, with handling all of that. Uh, we have seen that um, what works best for us is the events that actually have our um, buyer persona, like 
data analytics, data scientists, those are the events that we should prioritize and go for. Because in, for example, industry specific events, like if you go to a retail tech show, you have different technologies and retail is such a broad um, industry. You have from, you know, mm, I don't know, credit card machines to advertisers to then spatial analysis. Like I feel as a retail tech buyer, you would be very confused. <laughs> because it was not very specific um, and also our cloud partner events worked really well because it just improved the relationship with the partners that we have that's cool yeah. um, so, so it sounds like you have uh, learned uh, through, through the hard way and through testing what you'll prioritize next year and and how to sort of maybe double down on some of those it sounds like definitely and like the biggest success by far was our own flagship event uh, it's called spatial data science conference uh, we ran it in uh, london for the first time in person after the pandemic and it was a huge success um, i think we had 80 percent atten attendance rate and uh, we closed some amazing deals out of it so everybody was super proud it was a lot of work a lot of hard work but it was um, really good. And now we're doing the New York edition on the 20th of October as well. That's cool. So we're looking forward to that. <laughs> so is before you, whenever you're planning these events, is that how you thought it would go? Did you think that your event would be most effective? Uh, or did you think, well, no, we need to expand into these other pre-existing audiences and kind of bolt onto those? Um, what? How did it differ from your kind of pr predictions? Yeah, definitely. We, I mean, we did have a lot of success with the online uh, edition of the conference in the previous two years. Uh, but obviously the attendance was in thousands because it was an online event. People didn't have to travel. But that also meant that it had less um, personal touch, personal conversations, which we all know it's quite important when it comes to enterprise sales and long sales cycles. So I think it was definitely a very positive surprise. Of course, we had high expectations and high hopes for it, but I think it went better than what was expected. And we did feel like we still have to rely on, you know, like you said, preset um, events with um, yeah different from different industries and different buyer personas. But at the end, the best ROI was from our own flagship event, which is very encouraging. That's cool. Well, it sounds like you're getting good quality time with customers and potential customers with these in-person events. Are there are there stories that you hear or things about that that have been like more rewarding to you? Like you just stories that you're like, wow, that's cool to be a part of. Yes, actually, um, they're all um, very like I just remember all of the attendees at the event being very excited that um, this is happening that like we had this cool venue of um, Royal Geographic Society in London um, like the building itself is full of history of geography and GIS like you have these first maps ever ever created um, and everybody was very um, excited not just for the talks that were um, really like top-notch from different um public sector and also private sector um but they were also excited i think to network to talk in person to share ideas um to see what you know what they're work what people are working on and how are they applying uh, spatial data into their data analysis that's cool it sounds like you've mm -hmm. got some you're talking to data nerds uh <laughs> who are wanting to try to figure out like how do you make this data like 
visualize on a map, but then you also have like geography nerds and, and like, that's the new thing with geography. It's not discovery of new land. It's like, yeah, what is, what does this space mean? Like what data can be layered on this and, and make it interesting in those ways. So it sounds like you're kind of talking to both. Yes, exactly. It's exactly what you said. Um, and then another thing, positive thing from the conference is that we had a lot of, um, we give away free tickets for diversity uh, members. And also we try to promote uh, more women in geospatial. We have like a women in geospatial event happening actually in New York after our conference. Um, and on top of that, we also do a lot of workshops, um, like technical hands-on workshops so that people can learn new skills and um, just improve in their day-to-day -day job. So what have you personally learned from, from being at Cardo? I mean, are you more of a geography nerd than you were before? Are you more of a data nerd before? Are you, what, <laughs> is there anything um, that's. It's funny because I like back when I was in school, my favorite subject was geography. And I always just really enjoy learning about um, maybe not maps per se, but I just was always fascinated by, by this subject and how, um, yeah how everything works and now I'm just yeah learning a lot actually not just about data analysis but also yeah how we can use maps and how we can layer on top different data and um, gain some uh, business insights from a map you know it's really interesting. Yeah.